Hello. Hey. My, na- <laughs> my name's Richard. <laughs> and right. that was the best start ever. <laughs> <laughs> This is We're Not Wizards. My name is Richard. I shall be your host for this evening. Now, the title for tonight's show is quite simply, There's Nothing Greater Than Games. Now, I know why it's called that, and you will know why it's called that, because joining me tonight is Christopher Bedell from Greater Than Games. So, good evening, Christopher. Uh, good afternoon, from my point of view. <laughs> <laughs> good afternoon, then, because it's what time is this? About um, two thirty to three o'clock, almost. Yeah, it's two fifteen here, oh, so okay. it's yeah. Cool. But good evening to you. Yes, yes, it's um, it's um, it's a quarter past eight. It's like we're almost like we're we're talking across the other side of the world from each other. But um, amazing. <laughs> how are you doing? Are you well? First of all. Very well. I've had the last couple of weeks for me have been extremely productive, and so I've been feeling better and better, which is good because there's a lot going on. Cool, cool. Now, for people that haven't listened to the show before, um, the reason that we do this is because there's simply not enough podcasts out there about board games. <laughs> <laughs> and the second reason that we do this is because. Christopher has been a busy man, and uh, he gave us a quick shout-out to say he'd like to come on and talk about how busy he's been. So tonight we get to judge how busy Christopher has been. So we're going to tot it up in a Twitter poll, and we'll have a yes or a no. Do you believe that Christopher has been busy or not? And we shall report back on those results next week. So there better be a lot of busyness, Christopher. That's all I'm saying. And we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll let the people decide. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it to a vote because that right. that always works well. That always um, <laughs> goes so well. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, when we <laughs> quick at you know, steering it onwards and upwards. Um, normally, what we like to do when we have um, such a special guest as Christopher is we like to find out a little bit more about how he got into the hobby. So we like to have a little bit of a stare back at the past. We like to gaze at the navel of the present before we shoot off into the future and see what is out there. So, out of interest, just I know Greater Than Games kind of came together in about, is this six years? 2011 it came together? Yeah, we started in... Tw- yeah, we started in January of 2011. Okay. When? How did you get introduced to the hobby? Do you remember? Of course you remember. It probably wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 93. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a dark and stormy night in the early 80s. No. Um, the For me, when I was when I was growing up, I, I didn't play any hobby, quote-unquote, hobby board games yeah. um, until after college. When I was growing up, I uh, played... A lot of the random mass market board games that you see on the sh- store shelves, yeah. and um, 
I played, I had a younger brother who's a couple years younger than me. And my good friend, Adam, um, who was my age, also had a younger brother, a couple age younger than him. And so the four of us uh, liked to play all sorts of games, but we had the intrinsic problem that the two elder brothers were just better at games than their younger siblings because like if the two of us are 13 and they're 11 or you know 16 and 14 not until we got into our older teens were the younger siblings really able to compete with us um and so most games being competitive they that didn't really work for us and i bet Uh, i bet you made them aware of how rubbish they were every second (laughs) of the day that you could because i'm an older brother and i certainly Mm. remember um you know doing everything within my power to make sure that I won a game, uh, even at some point running off with a Monopoly card for a property card because my brother couldn't buy it, kind of thing. So that was the kind of cruelty kind of I got up to. <laughs> so where did that lead to? So you're playing, <clears throat> you're playing these games with your younger brothers, and then well, what? the problem, the problem we ran into was that if we beat them too thoroughly, they never wanted to play with us, and we wanted to play these games. Um, so I would rewrite a lot of the games that we played into having a co-operative team element. I wrote a, wrote a cooperative version of Risk when I was very young um, that essentially created an AI for a, and you, you had to work together and build up your armies to fight against these oncoming hordes coming from all the different shores. Uh, and so as a result, like we, we had something that all four of us could play the same game together and nobody was working against each other. Instead, we are, we are all important to each other in this game and you leave the game whether you won or lost, you leave the game feeling good about having played it with each other. So are, and... you, are you saying you, you invented Pandemic then? Uh, it was a, it's kind of, <laughs> the Pandemic sort of bored because it was the world map, but uh, yeah. it was kind of almost more of a Castle Panic sort of thing with the, right. the, the way it, wor- it worked. But it was, you know, it was pretty trivial. I don't know. I've had a few people say that they'd love to see it. And it's like, eh, it's the work of the game design stuff I have done over 20 years ago let's 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 look at the stuff i'm doing now instead <laughs> did that uh, i mean did that how was that how you continued then did you look at other games and try and customize them or did you move not at all or? actually uh, i uh, i actually um i mean not for a long time because i did that and then through high school and college and things i didn't really play games anymore i, I yeah. kind of moved away from it um, and after college, I, I started getting back into board games. Um, and my friend Adam, who I mentioned in that story, um, yeah. he and I uh, played a few games together, uh, including a game called Arkham Horror. And we're like, yeah. oh, yes, this, this is a lot. This is like what we wanted, but even more so. <laughs> and um, the two of us got talking about how we'd love to have, because uh, the thing that he and I were super into is comic books. And he was like, man, we, we would love to have a game that made you feel like you were playing a comic book, that everybody was a hero and they were all working together against a villain in an environment and everything. Like it had that sort of feeling uh, of that comic book uh, um, action feeling because a lot of the superhero games that we'd found um, boiled down to uh, we punch each other until somebody passes out and then whoever's left is the winner. And that's not yeah. what a comic book's about. Yeah. And um, there's other ones where you could play as a team of superheroes, but that's not what we wanted either. We wanted like you are a hero and I'm a hero and we're working together and we are stronger because of the things we can do uh, as a team. And so we just kind of made that game ourselves. So are you Marvel or are you DC or are you in the middle then? Um, I am more Marvel than DC, and Adam is pretty squarely in the middle. Yeah. yeah. So, was that the start of you putting together Sentinels of the Multiverse, then? 
Yep, that is the backstory of Sentinels the Multiverse, and wow. um, and so the company is myself, uh, Adam, who is the artist who does all the art for Sentinels, mm. and our and our friend Paul, who is our our business guy. All right. Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Hmm. And where? How long did it take you to go from the idea to actually getting together the kind of the first? kind of version of sentinels that you were you were happy with that was actually impressively fast um we had the idea we had that discussion of like man i want to play a game that works like this mm. uh in august of 2010 and by september we were by the end of september we were playing rudimentary decks from it and, and we had like actual game content and adam had done a bunch of art um, and by the end of the year we had the name of the game and all of the game design done um, right and um, and around then was when we played it with my friend Paul, and he was like, "Oh man, this is great! You should sell it to somebody." And I was like, "Oh no, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to sell this to anybody. It's it, we put so much into it, and it's kind of, you know, and nah, it's just for us. We don't need to sell yeah. it." It's like, well, what if you made a company and we made the game and like took it to Gen Con and stuff? And I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> and Paul lied to me and said, "Oh, it'd be really easy." Don't even worry about it. Um, <laughs> do you ever it, do you ever bring that back up with Paul? You said this. Oh, was absolutely, easy, <laughs> absolutely. I tell him thank you for that lie all the time because <laughs> that allowed this to to happen. Um, in January twenty seventh of twenty eleven, we established the company. Um, I was living in Kansas. Uh, Paul was living here in St. Louis, where I live now, uh, and Adam was living in California. And we did a bunch of stuff. Uh, over the internet, and eventually I moved out to St. Louis, and we showed up at Gen Con 2011. And this is back. This is back in 2011, where you could get a Gen Con booth a few months before Gen Con. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was no longer the case. But yeah, we showed up at Gen Con 2011 with a truck packed as full of those games as we could make it, because we didn't do Kickstarter or anything at that point. We just made a company, sold 10% of the company to uh, interested investors, yeah. and then used that money to print the game. Well, Kickstarter wasn't really a thing at that time, no, was it? No, it was, it was just starting. And in fact, yeah. that fall, because the number one question, we, were, we showed up at Gen Con and we're like, oh man, I hope someone likes this. We haven't really done any advertising. <laughs> and if nobody buys a copy, we won't have enough money to pay for gas to drive the truck back to St. Louis. Really, was it that kind of... It was like, well, we spent, we had a budget and we spent that budget. Uh, like we could have gone out of pocket to, to get the truck back, but we were trying to like do this in the correct business sense of that's the company's money. <laughs> that's um, like one of those stories, you know, the ultimate thing would have been if you guys had had a couple of hundred bucks on you, you know, if you had, now I've got a couple of hundred bucks, we're fine for petrol and, you know, gas and everything like right. that and food, then nothing would have happened. You wouldn't have sold a thing. It's like one of these <laughs> kind of narrative things that you have to be down to your last cent. You have to have no money. There is going to be some kind of impending disaster to happen for somebody to then wash in and go, right, this, this sounds like a good narrative. Let's go with this. Let's, let's let this thing kind of, kind of fly. How many, um, what was the kind of the re what was the kind of the reaction at the time when people were coming over and looking at the game? Did it did it surprise you? Were you still were you quite protective, or you know, was it was it strange seeing actually somebody picking up something that you guys had you, you know you guys had created and, and 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 kind of make a decision about buying it? Yeah, it was very strange because I had never 
Um, I'd never been to Gen Con, so that was my first Gen Con, and it was this huge, mm. overwhelming experience. And then we got this tiny booth in the back of the hall with some banners that we printed out at a Kinko's and we just had on a, <laughs> on a table. And all the booth was was just three tables where we could play the game. And we're like, hey, come sit at one of these tables and play the game. If you want to buy it, I can run the transaction on my cell phone and sell you the game. And <laughs> we just were like, hey, we'll, we're happy to run this game. Somebody please come look at us. And by the midpoint of the first day, by the halfway through the first day yeah. of Gen Con, we had lines stretching from our booth down the aisle um, of people wanting to play the game, of people wanting to buy the game. The word of mouth on it just exploded. Uh, we had people coming to our booth and saying, oh, yeah, I heard about this in such a such panel that's going on. And I'm like, what panel? They're like, oh, there's some panel going on <laughs> about board games. And somebody mentioned that there's this game here. And I was like, OK, cool. I know nothing about what you're talking about. I'm just... <laughs> Um, and like, um, we had a, a bunch of reviewers came by and check us out. And I didn't know who any of these reviewers were cause I was brand new to the industry. Yeah. Um, and, uh, in the, in the post Gen Con wrap up, Tom Vassell called us the number one game of Gen Con 2011. Um, and so then <laughs> you're like then, going Tom who? <laughs> right. Exactly. At the time I was like, Oh man, I don't know anything about anybody. And, um, it was, but somebody's like, Oh man, Tom Vassell called you the number one game. I'm like, Cool. That's I'm glad someone <laughs> likes this. Uh, that's like to... amazing. I have no idea what you mean, but that sounds brilliant. Let's run with it. Right. Yeah. No. Like some guy named Tom. He sounds he sounds like a stand up dude. Uh, <laughs> and then we went a couple weeks later to Pax Prime um, in in Seattle, Washington, and we were there for that. And um, the, it, the the people that run it during their keynote speech at the beginning. Um, before the, the before the show opened, during the setup time, we were setting up our booth, and uh, the people that run it came by, and they were talking to us, and was like meeting us and seeing our game, and they're like, "Oh, that's really cool." And they went on, and we're like, "Oh, that's nice of them to come by and say hi. That's very friendly." <laughs> uh, during their keynote speech, somebody asked them, "What are the what things are you most excited about at this show?" And one of them mentioned, "Oh, well, up on the sixth floor, the Sentinels, the Multiverse game, um, it, it came out of nowhere, and it looks really cool." And so then we had this giant long line at our booth. I'm like, oh, "Where are these nice. people coming from? What's going on?" <laughs> I, I so, mean, um, did Paul eventually stop telling you, I told you so, I told you so, I told you <laughs> yeah. so? Or no, does I he, mean, he, you know, does he, he bring he, it up at the meeting as well? You say, you know, if it wasn't for the fact you told me a lie, and he says, well, I told you so. Exactly. Nope, that's pretty much how it goes. Like, <laughs> Paul has the has the vision and definitely is, was, is correct about a lot of things, um, mm. but Paul has also learned to just let me tell my stories and uh, and let it go and people will get into it because... That's been going pretty well for us too. We just actually ourselves recently started doing a podcast, and uh, oh. we yeah in in January of this year. It seems very recent, but it also seems like a long time. Um, we started doing a weekly podcast just about the lore of Sentinels: of The Multiverse, just the the backstories of the characters and the in depth view of the comics, not about the game itself, but just the the story behind the game. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And we uh, last month we just got our, our numbers from last month, and in, in, in uh, in April, we had over 27,000 downloads of episodes. Um, and we're like, I don't know what's happening. Right. That's just absolutely ridiculously brilliant. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a really, really good figure. That's the kind of figure that most of us normal people look at and go, one day we shall reach that <laughs> number. One day. But I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's just, an, it's just a 90-minute a podcast about Adam and I, like, 
telling the lies that we t tell about these characters. Because it's all just every so often somebody contacts us and they're like, okay, so you're talking about this, the stories of these comic book characters yeah. as if there's real comics. Where are the real comics? And we're like, no, we're just making everything up. Like it's all just you're listening to us live for 90 minutes and you're just into it. Um, so just ad libbing and riffing all the way through. Have you got to the point now that the podcast has been live for a little bit? That you're getting people kind of coming back to you and saying, "Well, in episode number, f you know, fifteen, you said that this bit was this, <laughs> and in episode number twenty-two, you alluded actually it was this instead." Because you oh, gotta watch. Have... You gotta yeah. watch that. You are one hundred percent correct. We definitely have a, an army of fact checkers. Um, everything that we say <laughs> gets transcribed into a wiki, not by us, uh, just by our listeners, oh my and um, they will crucify us over anything that we get wrong. Um, so we we are aware of that. But fortunately, we have <laughs> fortunately since twenty ten when we started working on this, we've been uh, like writing out spreadsheets and notebooks full of content of the way all these stories work. So we haven't been having to make it up on the fly. We've been making it over six years and we're pretty good at making sure that everything uh well, that rather than making sure that nothing uh, contradicts anything else yeah um, i mean but... It's, but it's pronunciations and stuff like that <laughs> oh know, yeah sure you, pronounce, still... you know you pronounce something the the uh, the wrong way around i mean uh, it's um there's one of my friends does a podcast on the star wars expanded universe and there's a whole pile of names there mm -hmm. they just they've been written down but they've never been pronounced so that's usually one of the funniest things when you're listening to the show, as people having a discussion, how do you actually pronounce X X Y Z K double X C E D V? It's oh, mm -hmm. it's um, it, it's crook. All right, okay, that's that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Then. <laughs> One of the things that we like to do on the show um, is we we don't just like to assume that people know what I'm what we're talking about. But, you know, there are people that will have, um, that have not played the game before. There are people sure. that will have completely loved the game and will pick up this episode and say, shut up, Richard, just let Christopher talk more about the game, please. But for people who who haven't kind of dipped in to the multiverse, how would you describe the game? What's the kind of the basic mechanics and stuff like that behind it? Sure. Sentinels of the Multiverse is a cooperative comic book card game in which three to five players play as heroes working together against a terrifying villain in a dangerous environment. Uh, each hero, the, game, the core game comes with 10 different heroes, four different villains, four different environments, and there's lots of expansions that add even more content. Uh, and each hero has their own unique deck of cards and their own internal mechanics to that deck that each player will have their hero's character card that shows who their hero is and what their innate power is. And mm -hmm. it also gives them a deck of cards full of abilities. And um, each of the players around the table will have their characters uh, working against a villain that nobody plays as the villain or the environment. Those things run themselves. Oh, and yeah. they're full of all sorts of dangerous and deadly things. So it's an entirely cooperative experience where the heroes have to work together to solve both the puzzle and the the danger, the, uh, the looming destruction at the hands of the villain. Um, and it goes pretty well. Plays in about 30 to 60 minutes, depending mm -hmm. on the villain and depending on how well you're doing as heroes. And as has a lot of, lot of uh, great replay, a lot of variability to the gameplay. 
Is there dice involved? Is there that randomness that's involved uh, the, in the game? The, there is randomness, but not from dice, just from the cards. Since mm-hmm. uh, you have you have a deck of cards, you shuffle that up at the beginning. You draw a hand of four cards, and then at the mm-hmm. end of each of your turns, you'll be drawing another card. There are other times in the games that things can cause you to draw cards, and so what you draw makes the, your loadout somewhat random uh, because the yeah. decks have very little repetition in them. And then same thing with the villain and the environment. On the villain and the environment turn, you uh, do any start of turn actions that are in play. You play the top card of the, either the environment or the villain deck, depending on which turn you're in. And yeah. then you do any end of turn actions that are in play. So what you get, what the villain is doing, what the environment is doing, is really dependent on how that shuffle went, on that, that variability. Cool. Okay. How many expansions are there? Oh boy! So we have started repackaging expansions. So yeah, um, uh, to go back to that, to give you a super long answer to a very simple question. um, At our first Gen Con uh, and the first PAX, right, right after that, the number one question we got from everybody was, "This is this game's great. Where are the expansions?" And we're like, "I what what? (laughs) We we spent Um, all of our money making the game. I don't have what what else do you what else do you want? (laughs) Right and." And so, like, when we, when we were asked that question, I mean, he's like, well, I mean, I, I've got story content for expansions. I've got all sorts of, I could totally make expansions, but I figured this game would want to be out for, like, a year before we even worried about it. No, you want it now? Okay. Um, and <laughs> Just g- so, give, me, give me five minutes of Sharpie and a piece of A4 paper. I'll be right, I'll be, I'll be right with you, kind of thing. <laughs> um, but so, we, at that point, that fall, we launched a Kickstarter. Um, yeah. It was a very early Kickstarter. It was like November of 2011. So back in the Wild West times of Kickstarter, when anything goes and nobody has any preconceived expectations about how anything works, yeah. um, there's some really lovely freeing things about that era, and also some really horrifying nobody has any idea what they're doing things about that era. Um, but we were one of the first uh, successful board game Kickstarters, and we asked for twelve thousand dollars, and we made twenty-eight thousand dollars. Which now, looking back on it, is like, haha, Kickstarter. But at the time, it was like, oh my god, what? Um, and <laughs> but that was the whole thing. That was the back. That was like, you know, pe- people look back on that, and it'll be through like a sepia kind of tone color scheme, and go, remember those days when you used to get a funding level, and it wasn't like ten, fifteen times kind of what you actually originally asked for. But yeah. was, I mean, that must have been a big shocked that you took an idea and said listen we don't we don't have this we haven't made it we know you like the base game this is what we would like to do with it what was the um what was the did you spend a lot of time on the kind of the i guess making the kickstarter look pretty or was it really quite (laughs) (laughs) it was pretty it was pretty hideous if you go back and look at it the video is awful because I was seeing that people made videos on their Kickstarter. So there was, you know, like a few Kickstarters that had gone live, um, not just for board games, for other things. And I was yeah. like, okay, I can like, I set a camera on a shelf and looked at it and talked into it for like 45 <laughs> seconds or something for the video. And it was not good, but people seemed to like it. Uh, but it wasn't, yeah, but the Kickstarter was not lovely, um, but it communicated essentially, hey, we just came out with this game. Most of the people, only people that are at like Gen Con and or PAX even have a chance to have seen it. Um, but the biggest thing, we're, the biggest question we're getting is where the expansions. And we're here to tell you, we can't make any expansions because we don't have any money. But if you give us money, we'll make an expansion. And then people gave us money and then we made an expansion. And here we are. <laughs> that, kept, that process happened a few times. <laughs> I mean... In terms of the Kickstarter, with you being involved from the very, very beginning, 
you must have seen kind of big changes in Kickstarter since that kind of 2011 kind of start. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Kickstarter um, both as a platform has changed, but the Kickstarter community is very like there. Are, when we started, there wasn't a known way to do a Kickstarter. You just kind of put up a Kickstarter campaign and yeah. certain things could work. And it wasn't really clear what happened um, on, e on either side of things. And now like there are right and wrong ways to do Kickstarters. And there are things that are like bad to do on Kickstarter just because of the group think about how it works. Um, and like, I've, I've actually done some talks at schools and things about Kickstarter because there's not like people that are, there's, there's really not like ec ec um, economists who know Kickstarter or tax people who are like, oh, well, I'm a Kickstarter tax person. And yeah. so you have figuring all that stuff out. It was really just like, oh, well now we have this situation that we have to deal with. Is there a precedent for this? Not really. We kind of have to make it up. Yeah. Um, I know that, I know that there's, um, well, I well I know that the one of my uh, one of the friends of the show, Mark McKinnon, who he's going to be doing his first Kickstarter, um, probably middle to end of this year for a game he's called Wreck and Ruin, which is imagine kind of Mad Max in a kind of arena, and it's I had a shot Very of cool. it, and it's really it's really really good fun. But he went to um, I remember him telling me about going to like a business advisor because in the UK. There's like um, kind of like small business advisors and things like that. So you can go in and you can say, "Hey, I'm starting a shop," and they can say, "Great, well, you need, you know, you need this, you'll need that, you'll need this insurance." And he went in and says, "Well, what are you doing? Well, I've got a board game. And I'm looking at kickstarting it." And the guy <laughs> kind of like, um, right? Let me just grab. Um, <laughs> there's a pen in my car. Let me just go and get that. And he was, <laughs> just gone. And he was like gone. But I think I think what he was he was kind of basing. It was really funny. I think what from what I heard, the guy was like trying to tie in a successful website being the same thing as a successful Kickstarter. So mm. he was rolling out some figures to say, well, if you want this to work, you're gonna need at least kind of like averaging out, you know that a like on Facebook is worth um, it's not worth 10 prayers it's actually worth about $10 or something like that, <laughs> something sure. like that. and so that's what they were saying so he says well in order for you to get the funding you're going to need like 3,000 likes, you're going to need like you know 20,000 Twitter followers and they were kind of using that thing and it was like oh I don't you know and then what happened is says I think he jumped on the board, the kind of the board game community, and said, "Right, the Kickstarter community says, and I, I've been told this, and it's like, no, 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 don't, no, no, don't be chasing the prayers, um, right. kind of thing." Um, and that was how that, you know, that that was how that kind of went. But the yeah, you're right. I mean, the community has. I think there's there's definitely, I. St I kind of feel, I don't, it's not a case I feel, I can sometimes feel sorry for the smaller guys mm -hmm. starting out on Kickstarter. The... Yeah, it's very tricky now. Like, we, we were very lucky about when we started that it was, you know, the, the dark ages of Kickstarter. It was back when you could get a booth at Gen Con. Um, a lot of people are, we started, we did every, we do everything ourselves except for put ink on cards. Um, yeah. We do all our own warehousing and fulfilling and everything. I'm, I'm in my office right now. Um, and we've got in our offices, we've got like uh, roughly 1500 square feet of office space. And then another 15,000 square feet or so worth of warehouse space. Cause we do everything ourselves. 
And if we were starting the company from scratch now, I don't think I would do it that way. Um, there's just so many, the way that the industry has changed and so much more information is out there. And for us, when we got started, we were like, well, there's very little information out there. So we're just going to do everything mm. by hand and make it work because we have to. Um, and now there's just a ton more resources, which is both great and it also is scary because it means that there's so much more competition. There's like 500 plus games on Kickstarter simultaneously yeah, right now. There's always, so, yeah. yeah. Did, does Paul ever put down the Excel spreadsheet and does he come out and help kind of with the warehouse stuff? <laughs> or is he... Oh, absolutely. No, so <laughs> when we started, Paul and I did all of the warehousing and all of the shipping and stuff. Um, and that was that was what he and I did. Yeah. Like we did everything, and now we have we actually now have uh, ten full time employees here at Greater Than Games, and we just hired a brand new inventory manager who's going to help with that stuff. And so we, uh, yeah, we have, we now have a full time warehouse manager um, and a full time inventory manager who the two of them make the warehouse the best it can be, and it's it's really a a great place to be where we have. Um, like there's so many times whenever we're looking to hire a new person, we're like, okay, what's the thing that we can do that either takes work off of Christopher's plate or takes work <laughs> off of Paul's plate? Like those are the two plates that are just overflowing. Um, and we're, we're both here more often than we should be, but it's, really? it's good. I mean, um, what, I mean, how do you, how do you relax? And I mean, do you, do you partake mm, no, no. in the cardboard when you're relaxing or do you, are you oh, constantly certainly. feel, yeah? Oh, yeah, no, I like playing games a lot. I don't get to do it as much. I certainly play games less now than mm. when I started the company. Um, the, the company does take way more of my time. Um, I work more hours at this job than I have at any other job I've ever done, including when I was working two jobs simultaneously. <laughs> um, the I On an average week, I'm here at least... 70 hours um and uh on on busier weeks i'm here more than that but um the that's okay though because like this is this is my life this is my hobby it's my passion um i get so much reward out of doing this yeah Um, so this is i I have no complaints about it uh but it is it is very busy times but we do we do get to play games i actually have an every other week tuesday night gaming group with uh with a couple of friends that we we play some games and we started doing that around the beginning of the year and it's really been lovely to have like a nope tuesday night every other tuesday night i'm going to specifically play games that i did not write and it's going to be nice (laughs) yeah i think it's i think it's important to kind of enjoy enjoy the hobby if your job is kind of like the hobby i mean right what 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 kind of games are you getting to the table at the moment is there anything that you're playing just now um, we've been uh, we've started very recently because I've had a million people suggest it to me and say, Christopher, you you, you will love this game. And so I finally picked up Legends of Andor um, okay. and I've been playing that. And that's that's a lot of fun. It's I, I like the campaign style of it. I like the uh, the co-op play. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Uh, a game that I got to play. I've played it twice now and I want to play it more. I own it. I, it sits there on the shelf and it looks at me and I say, Tim, I'm going to play you more, but I have to get a group together of the right eight people to play Captain Sonar. Oh, oh I've, heard, it's delightful. I've heard amazing things. About it's Captain so good. Sonar. I someday want to find, I want, I want to, to find a group of four people who are willing to play a game of Captain Sonar against Paul and I, and probably Paul and Adam and I and um, and then my wife Rachel, like the four of us 
it would it would like we're not gonna I'm not gonna say we're the best Captain Sonar players in the world because we've only played twice, but we we have really good communication to the point that we were not allowed to be on the same team when really? we played. We had to split those up. Um, one of my favorite uh, playing games at Paul's house stories. We will do like once a month. We'll, Paul will do a big thing at his house, and we'll all go play games over there. And um, one of my favorite stories was there was we I think we had a group of like nine people, and somebody really wanted to play code names, and so he said, okay, the teams are. Paul and my wife and my wife Rachel and I, the three of us, Paul and Christopher and Rachel, against everybody else on the other team, and it was not even remotely fair. Um, really, Paul, Paul and I are business partners because we get along very well and think yes. the same. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it we did, we did some like I think there was one round of code names in which I said Bird Six, and they got all six of them. Uh, and, <laughs> I just fucking go, how do you even do that? Right. How's that even connected? <laughs> There was some there was some inside baseball stuff happening there. That's just we doing the kind of the fingers underneath. I know how you Americans do baseball. <laughs> do you know what I mean? No it's cheating, like the secret cheating. code. He's going to do this, 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 and this. You're not meant to do that. That's cheating. Oh no no! I wouldn't. Chris... I would never cheat. I, I like playing games. <laughs> I, would by never, the I would never get found out. <laughs> there you go. That's better. <laughs> you know, that's I'm pre- I'm pretty good at just saying one word. You know, it's uh, yeah, I guess uh, Galaxy Seventeen. <laughs> There's like, oh, that's there's, good. There's only yeah, exactly. Ding, 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 ding. That's pretty good considering you only need to get like eight cards or something. Right. <laughs> you managed to completely, completely kind of clear up. So I guess what we need to do is we need to do fix it for Christopher. So if you are listening out there and you are in the St. Louis area and you are itching for a bit of Captain Sonar, maybe you've been playing with your friends and they're just not enough, and you've got your own little team together. And you're just beating every single person at your games, your games club, your local friendly game store, and you're looking for a challenge. Get in contact with Christopher because he is going to clean the ocean with you. <laughs> you're writing checks that I can't cash, but I love it. <laughs> just, I'm just you know a whole pile of things. <laughs> just, <laughs> just you know, I'm just bringing the depths. Um, you're away, so we'll see what we'll see what happens. You know, there might oh, be, you might just get like a, a kind of an email through to the kind of the info at kind of email address, and it's like wow, that you've got a, and it'll just be um, it'll just be time, date, location. And then just a picture, <laughs> just a little picture, you know, saying "see you there," kind of thing. <laughs> You're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna send you an email in like a few weeks and say, "Please edit that part out of the podcast." I have too many people kicking my ass no, at Captain no, Sonar. Chris, Christopher, we don't, we don't do editing. This is, I mean, uh, you, you know how to do a podcast. You know, you kind of, you kind of. Well, you can, can I get away it. with that bit in the podcast? You know, <laughs> you, you take out the coughs. I think, I think that's a good thing. You don't want somebody going down the podcast kind of thing. And uh, right. You know, I think you know if you've you, you've been editing at all, you realise that there's kind of at the beginning you're kind of like he's breathing too loud. I need to take that bit out, and oh, there's that bit where he kind of paused a bit too long, so I'll cut that bit out. And by the time you get to like episode sixty, <laughs> you just, <laughs> you're just like ah, well, I kind of you know it's like. Ah, I can't be bothered. I'll stick some music on the front, stick some music on the end, and stick it out there. <laughs> we'll see what Call happens. Call it good, uh, you know. But um, yeah. maybe you got if you got twenty seven thousand downloads, Wolf. I that, I cannot speak to any any level of like, oh, we know what we're doing. I think that just kind of happened. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is there anything out there in the limited time that you have um, to play that is it's not yeah. th- that's not a threat? Um, <laughs> <laughs> my word! He's Chris. He's going to be sitting there and he's going to say, "Mara, you you said this was going to be a good show to go on." No, this is good. This is good. This is exactly what I want. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there any games out there that you've kind of you've you've um, you're coveting? That you would like the look of that you thought you know actually I'd, I'd like to get my hands and hands and play on this apart from obviously fabulous Captain Sonar. I would say yeah, more Captain Sonar is up there. Um, gee, that's tough. I am I am terrible about keeping my ear to the ground in board game news. All this time there would be people here in the office. Um, our community manager Craig is is very. Like he has the biggest board game collection of anyone I know, and he's always like, "Oh, did you hear about such and such game coming out?" I was like, "I definitely did not." No, <laughs> I was like, I told Craig about. It. I was like, "Oh, I just get Legend of Andor." He's like, "You are so far behind. Do you even play games?" It's like, be nice, um, bro. But, do you even tabletop? <laughs> right, exactly. No, I'm a, I'm a fake geek girl when it comes to to the the the, the hotness of tabletop games. Um, I guess you know, so I played uh, the Pandemic. I played Risk Legacy, and, right. back, yeah. and I played Pandemic Legacy. So I'm excited about. I'm I'm tentatively excited about uh, Pandemic Legacy season two. So I guess I'm excited that that's coming out sometime this year, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Be interesting uh, to see what happens with that. Right, and right. Then... I've heard some interesting stuff. Um, not much, but some. Yeah. And they're good at keeping uh... it secret, though. I, mean, they, I think that it's important. It's part of the even if there's nothing that needs to be kept secret, just yeah. the act of keeping it secret creates buzz. Because the the idea of the legacy game is you don't know everything about the game. You don't want to have exactly. spoilers in a board game. So. No, we don't want we don't want board games going down the way that they do movies and advertise TV shows and everything else nowadays, which is to practically show you kind of everything. half of what's going, <laughs> showing you everything, and then have a yeah. twist in the middle to make you kind of go, oh. Okay, that is kind of kind of different, you know. Keep keep our board game secret. Give us surprises. We want to we want to have a fresh new experience when we open the box and we get that first smell of slightly dried industrial glue <laughs> going mm. into our noses. Um, have you heard of Charterstone? Oh yeah, Jamie's legacy yeah. game that he's been working on. Yeah, he and I were talking about that the other day. That's a it's an exciting thing that he's doing. He's been developing that for a long time. So. Right. Okay. We're big fans. We did an episode recently where we talked about we kind of did the double Jamie Stegmaier show, and we we kind of did we covered Viticulture and we covered Scythe. And, nice. Um, they're both really really good games and a lot of good mm-hmm. a lot of good fun. Just for before the the haters track us down, but um, Charterstone sounds in. Did he is he keeping that quite close to his to his chest? And did you? Oh yeah. Did he? Is he? Did you? Try Any, anything and... he's anything he's told me, I I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <sighs> I'm not looking for an exclusive because I don't want to get you in trouble with Jamie. I don't want Jamie potentially listening to this and you're like going, yeah, and you do this and then the stickers down the street do this and then they turn into this bit here and then you can you can plant flowers over here and that changes the entire board, which you turn the other way around. And he's just I could just make things up about it. That'd be great. Be like, oh, the trick is you want to get to the goats as soon as you can because the goats unlock an entire goat tree of abilities. It's a hidden goat tree of abilities. You really got to look at the goats. Um, that's my my Charterstone advice. Did you did you... rush to goats? <laughs> rush to goats. Yeah. Did you put the taps on the maple trees? Um, oh no. no, I didn't. Is that does that do a thing? I didn't uh, try that. that. 
<laughs> I, I think you have to put at least five, otherwise it doesn't work. Oh. If you do that, you double your experience for the rest of the game. See, and I that's... wasted all my taps on goats. <laughs> and that's just before the unicorns appear. But we can't Whoa. talk. A... We no, we can't talk about that just okay. yet. All right. I wasn't sure. I thought I was just supposed to like glue toilet paper tubes to horses <laughs> to get unicorns, but that makes more sense. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Um. So enough about Jamie and the fiction. <laughs> you know what? He's going to be really annoyed if half of that's true. <laughs> Oh, he's gonna be like, "How did they know? What? <laughs> Who told them? I I kept the goats thing the deepest secret." Oh <laughs> uh, dear, get me my maple beer. <laughs> now I'm thinking about Jamie Stegmaier outraged, and it's really funny to me because he's a genuinely like stre- extremely pleasant person. I know. And so now I, I know. I'm picturing him furious and just screaming mad, and it's um. I I can't imagine. Him. I I I think it would be. I wouldn't. I don't know. I can't even begin to imagine because he's, you know, he was generally just a really, really gentle soul. Him, you know, when I was speaking to him, and you kind of, you kind of, when I finished the episode, I kind of walked away from that episode, and I just went, you know, he's just generally a really nice guy, and he's not. There's no kind of, you know, there's no kind of board game. I'm well known kind of board game personality kind of thing coming across. He was just being, you know, genuine. He was just being Jamie, and that was that was wonderful. Imagining him in a Hulk type rage, mm. flipping tables and putting meeples everywhere. That's um, it's great. That could be a cartoon, <laughs> like an anime type thing. I'd sign up for that. I I probably I would I, I would binge watch that on Netflix. Um, that's gonna. That's gonna be. I'm actually gonna make a, a legacy game uh, called Jamie Stegmeyer, in which you start off by playing a very like happy, normal person, but then you can go down routes of if you wanted to add rage points to him, or if maybe you want to have him grow like sweet wings, and like you could just you could deck out your Jamie Stegmeyer however you want. And what you do is the idea is to make him angrier. You have to put the stickers on him and then rip them off and oh. leave and leave half the stickers on. Oh, no. They're designed that once you put them on, you can't quite peel them off, and they re- they leave that kind of half sticky, kind yeah. of half extra kind of glue thing, that you always end up kind of touching the board and going, oh, oh, it's like spilling a can of Coca Cola in your car, and then six months later try to reach for something and realize that your hand is stuck to kind of like the the floor of the footwell or something like that. It's perfect. I'm writing all this down so we can make this game. So nobody out there. Nobody try to steal this from us. This is our game. This is like this is like me and Chris Clue in the fruity boot all over again. Oh jeez. We, we discuss make a fruit smoothie by Chris Clue smashing fruit with his feet and then pouring it into some kind of cup. Somebody I out just, there would pay for that. Somebody out there's probably invented it, and as I, I warn Chris that if he turns up on some kind of infomercial between kind of like the the Super Bowl kind mm. of thing. Talking about his new kind of nutri foot or something like that, I said there was going to be words. I don't have a legal team, but I know how to write a strongly worded email. There you um, go. <laughs> what what's happening next with Greater Than Games? So right now I am in the final moments of finishing up Oblivion, which is the final expansion for Sentinels: The Multiverse, right. um, and that will that will cap off that whole adventure. Um, and at the same time, I'm working on stuff for the uh, Sentinels comics role-playing game, which is a oh. uh, pen and paper tabletop role-playing game in the world of Sentinel comics that we have developed here along with the fantastic folks at Critical Hit Studios. 
and it's uh, that'll be the starter kit for that will be coming out later this year. So, and is that kind of have you totally been involved in all the mechanics and everything like that for that as well? Then is I've been like... involved. I am not the lead designer of that game. Yeah. Um, but the I've, it's been important that the same sort of storytelling that happened in the Sentinel, Sentinels of the Multiverse card game uh, continues to happen in this. So I've been a part of that process from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've also been working alongside fantastic, fantastic designers uh, such as Cam Banks, Dave Chalker, Philippe Menard, and Clark Valentine, um, who the, the four of them um, and myself have been working on this giant project for years now. Um, and it's we announced it last year, I think, and have been doing more and more public stuff about it. So there's a lot of upcoming things we're doing with the Sentinel Comics RPG. Uh, mm. And uh, this summer, actually, we're going to be doing a, a live streaming thing where we here in the office play the game and stream it live on Twitch, and people can watch us play the game and learn all about it. So that's that'll become be an interesting thing, isn't it? People actually yeah. live Twitching board games. Right. I know that... Um, who was it? Did I... I've seen I've seen a few campaigns now doing like live streams of you actually kind of them, them playing the games. I know that um, good old Frank West um, he did a live playthrough of City of Kings. I mm-hmm. don't know if Gloomhaven did the same thing, but I think everybody's yeah. I don't know if they did it, but I've seen it more and more, which is kind of like you, you get the kind of the Reddit ask me anythings, right. and then you get the kind of the live kind of Twitch let let you know. <clears throat> um, have a look at how the game kind of how the how the game kind of plays. I mean, in terms of other, because you're saying Oblivion's the last Sentinels of the Multiverse. That it is. Say it isn't so. No, no. So Sentinels of the Multiverse, uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse was started to end, and that when I started it, like when we first started writing the story, the story had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and we knew what end point we were working towards, even though we also hundred percent knew that we would never actually make all that content. Like there's yeah. no way that we are going to make a dozen expansions and all this different stuff that like that, that nobody was interested in that sort of thing, but we wanted to write the game as if it all were going to exist because that felt better. It felt cool to have a future and to be like, Oh, all the stuff that's happening is leading to something that has consequences and repercussions throughout the mm. multiverse. Like I wanted that level of depth. And so we made that level of depth and now we're getting to actually use 100% of the content, which, which is, is ridiculous. Very, uh, very cool though. I mean, you know, I mean, there's not many people that get to kind of see their ideas come to complete fruition. You know, a lot of people will get halfway through something or they'll stop or there's the danger of you throwing kind of, you know, 25 expansions out there. And the th- your, you know, your game has kind of almost kind of died a little bit of a death right? because there's nothing kind of fresh. Kind yeah, of and that's the other there. thing we didn't want is we didn't want because like when we were doing the Oblivion Kickstarter and it passed a million dollars in the first week or something and people were like, oh, this is amazing. You're not going to stop this now. You're going to keep going, right? I mean, look how much mm. money this is making. And we had to talk about it in the office. We're like, well, like, do we want to keep going? I could keep writing more content, but really I don't. Like I started it, we started it with this level of intentionality that I did not want to betray by doing more by continuing on just because there were dollars available like the story is is the important part it's the story is why i made the game and it's why we tell these stories is for the purpose of of that sort of communication and so to just just to to just keep going just because it could make a buck like that's not interesting to me so 
we're ending it. It's over. Um, that doesn't mean that we're not going to use the Sentinel comics stories more. Like, obviously, we've got the RPG that I was talking about. And we also have another mm. game called Sentinel Tactics that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. That we're going to be doing more things with in the future. So, like, there's definitely things we'll do in the world of Sentinel comics. Um, and also, there, um, I totally can use the Sentinels, the multiverse mechanics for other things. Right now, uh, there's a game on Kickstarter called The Sentinels of Earth Prime that is yeah. being run by Green Ronin. It's, they've got their they've got a series of role playing games um, called Mutants and Masterminds. It's a superhero role playing game that came out years ago, and I am designing a card game for them using sentinels the multiverse rules but with their ip with their characters with their stories and so that for the people that are like i just want more mechanical content for sentinels great this is a fantastic place to get 10 more heroes and four more villains and four more environments and all sorts of cool stuff uh, but at the same time people that don't necessarily know or care about sentinels but really like the mutants and mastermind story they might want to jump into a card game that features some of their favorite characters and guess what that's what we're going to do so there's there's always options, you know. And have you thought about? Um, I mean, is there a completely different? Um, is there a completely kind of different genre type of game that you're thinking about producing? I mean, are you know, is there um, you know, is there a minis game coming <laughs> from Greater Than Games? You know, is there you know a nice little worker placement game? Is there a you know dexterity game? Is there a strategy game? Have you yeah. sat down and spoke like in a legacy? I mean, are there? I mean, I, I guess have <clears throat> with with the campaigns that you've run being successful. Are you kind of like? Does it give you the freedom to maybe explore and prod kind of other avenues that you've gone down? And are you already doing that? I'm not searching for an exclusive, Christopher. I'm just asking <laughs> the question. <laughs> well, we've actually been doing that for a bit now because a couple of years ago we merged with Dice Hate Me Games. Yes. And with them, we've been making uh, a bunch of different types of games. There's uh, we last year put out a game called Do Bedford that is one of my favorite games, and I myself mm. have nothing to do with it um, on the designer development side of things, like other people within the company anymore but i just get to play it and love it and people when i tell people that new bedford is one of my favorite games they're like oh but you made it i'm like yeah but but only in the publishing sense I, i'm not like if i if, if i say you know oh well sentinels the multiverse is my favorite game which it is yeah. um then it, it's kind of like you know that's that's like uh, that's that's your own work buddy what's, yeah. what's the deal yeah, no. it's like yeah i designed it for me but still it's I know, it's just, yeah, strange. I designed it for myself. It's kind of like, I I'm did. not due you guys anything at all. I mean, it just happens mm. that you have to all buy it and back it and stuff. Come on, it's still my baby. <laughs> exactly. No, that's the thing. Sentinels the Multiverse, every time I, it is the most selfishly designed game in the world. Anytime I reach any sort of conflict about like, ooh, how do I resolve this situation? I think, well, what do I as the player want to do right now? Like, what yeah. what is the thing that I that at the table feels organic and natural? And then I just do that thing, and that's the way the game works, because it's for me. Like, it's a very... <laughs> selfishly created situation you could be playing somebody and somebody kind of gets attacked and you go no no that's not the right tactic it's like no no it's on the card no 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 give me give me that card give me that there's your card you that you have just described how playtesting works with me at the table um oh, there's yeah. so many times where people are playing things so somebody plays it I'm like and this does this i'm like mm, hold on and i take it and i write all over it and i give it back to them I'm like okay try again really they're like this says something completely different I'm like yeah it's something weird happened don't mind me you're kind of like I don't know, like a kind of like a rules lawyer, but the l rules lawyer that also the, the judge dread. I'm the I'm the I'm the rules. I, I am the rules. Um, <laughs> I'm the rule supreme court. Um, I just get to do whatever I want. Um, I'm, I'm I'm kind of like a 
when I'm doing playtesting of my games, it's kind of a Willy Wonka situation where I, I get to have all my fun, but frequently it's at the expense of the people playing the games. So, Do you get to wear a top hat and have a cane? Uh, I did use a cane for a couple of years. I had a pretty notable knee injury, and I was oh. I was cane bound for a couple of years at Gen Con, and people are like, oh, that fits with Christopher and his personality. I'm like, well, I mean, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but much, I much rather prefer to have like a knee that kind of works. Probably. Right. Thanks yeah, very no. much. If it's all the same, kind of thing. People are like, oh, it's, 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 you've got a cool cane, man. I'm like, yeah, thanks. That's, I, it's, I love it. But uh, yeah. No, but what about the top hat then? What was your excuse for wearing the top? Oh man, I used to have a top hat, but I don't, I don't really. I'm not a hat I was just guessing. I was, you know, I was just throwing that. I was throwing that hook out there. I didn't realize it was gonna land. No, see, I just I'm a long hair person, and long hair and and uh, and fine hats just don't go together so well. I so. I think if you're wearing like a velour or velvet hat, you've got kind of static discharge going everywhere, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. can just end up being the kind of the messiest thing in the entire um, in the entire universe. But you have a very very strong hair game going on. Oh, thank you, thank you. Well, if I wear no, a I'm... hat with any sort of real brim, like a like a cowboy hat or a fedora or something, I just look like Kid Rock. So I'm, I'm not, hats aren't acceptable for me. You could go for like a plat or, you know, you could yeah. play it or you could pigtail it or, but you just let it flow. I just let it do its own thing. In the my wind. hair and I, yeah, we're like roommates. We don't really like, we, I, it does its thing. I do my thing. We stay out of each other's way. You kind of don't kind of interact. And as long as you make sure the rent's paid at the end of the month and everybody's kind of fine. Right, right. You got it. Is there? I mean, going back, going right, back. Right. So yeah, yeah. Is there another? I mean, is there another game that's you know that is completely different? You're not necessarily part of the company, but something that you're thinking. Well, I I would like to do this. Yes. There yes, is. There is. There and is, you're in the middle of you're in the middle of developing it, and you can't see anything at all, can you? <laughs> well, so I will tell you right now that I am currently simultaneously working on about seven games. Um, it is, you have to think of it like a, a very large kitchen where I've got, you know, I've got two front burners okay. and then I've got like four back burners and mm-hmm. then I've got another four burners behind those that I just every so often reach into. And I've got two games on my front burner and then I've got four games on my back burners and then I've got another uh, three or so games even behind that. And, um, anything in the fridge setting? Uh, Oh, and it, you know what? Yeah, there's a couple of things that I have not even started on that I had an idea for a game and I went, nope. And I wrote it down on a, in a document and I saved that document yeah. to look at in the future. Um, there's actually one game that um, is it is lurking in the back of my mind. And Paul and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. And he's like, well, you should take, after Oblivion's done, you should take like a week or so off just to recharge. And I was like, Paul, I don't think I can do that. Because if I take time off after taking like a few hours of not yeah. specifically thinking about anything I'm working on, this game is going to realize that i'm not guarded against it and it's going to lunge and it's going to chomp its jaws into me and i will be forced to create that game instantly so it's that game i'm thinking about doing in the mid 2020s so really that that's 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 a plan and a half to have kind of that yeah. far into the future you, you best kind of keep yourself kind of busy then 
<laughs> right. But there are games like I've got I've got <clears throat> I have games that have nothing to do with comic books or superheroes or even cooperative <clears throat> play, gameplay that I'm that I'm that are coming down the the track. And there's uh, so many things that I'd like to do. And I really didn't think of myself as a game designer uh, when we started this company because I hadn't really done game design. Uh, I th- I thought of myself as a storyteller and as a writer. I am both of those things, and I have been those things professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wasn't really a game designer. And when the, the company started and my family was like, Christopher, what are you doing? You had like a career and now you kind of threw everything away and you're making games. Like who, who cares about that? And then and I was like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> exactly. Do you, say, do you send them the link for the Kickstarter and go, hey, check out that? Exactly. That, that, the... is that, what's that made up? Is there a lot? That's, that's six zeros on there. Yes, it is. <laughs> It once, sure uh, is. once we started having some Kickstarters, then I was in my, then my family saw those things. They're like, "Oh, there seems to be money in this industry. We're just going to let him do whatever he wants." Um, but my my younger brother was the one that reminded me about the games that I that I rewrote when we were kids because I didn't even think about those really. Like yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's just what we did when we were kids." I'm sure that everybody plays by house rules, and he's like, you, "We didn't play those by house rules. Like you wrote you entire, entire villains thing. and stuff." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh." Okay, cool. Yeah, I guess I guess yeah. I've got my roots further back than I thought. But do you yeah. take complicated ideas or do you take quite simple ideas? Because I spoke when I spoke to um, was that um, Andrew Burkett at Athera's mm-hmm. Games, um, and he did um, Mutant Crops. But he was talking. He was he was telling about games. It was talking about socks. <laughs> he was telling games about like kind of falling asleep at work and trying to get as many kind of hours sleep at work as you can while at the same time trying to be as productive as possible. It's like simple kind of fun games. Do you, when you're going through a creative process, is it difficult to kind of not be overcomplicated, kind of clear the mind, just be able to think of a simple idea? Or are you kind of like, when you go and think of an idea, are you already world building? Are you thinking about the environment around here? Are you thinking about kind of things, backstories or... You know how do you how do you approach the kind of the creative manner that you do things? Yeah, the, mechanically, I can go any number of ways, and it really depends on what the story is as to how deep the mechanics will be. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, if it's a, if it's a lightweight like if it's a lightweight story, then it should have lightweight mechanics and fast gameplay. Or if it's mm-hmm. a, if it's a heavier, crunchier, uh, more uh, you know more involved story, then it can have more involved mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, like the uh, I mean, anytime I make anything, the story almost always comes first, but I have proven my ability to disconnect from the story in the in a game that is a bad joke in a box. Um, I, a few years ago, made a game called Deck Building the Deck Building Game, uh, okay. in, in which you build a deck on the back of your house, uh, like a porch, um, using oh, deck building oh mechanics. Oh my goodness. So you've got to buy pine planks and cedar planks and mahogany planks yeah. and build this deck. Uh, and yeah, so it's deck building the deck building game. And it's a, a little $10 game. The mechanics are extremely straightforward. It takes three minutes to teach and five to 10 minutes to play. And um, and it's its own expansion. It's a two-player game that if you have two copies, it plays <laughs> up to four players. And if you have three copies, it plays up to six players. Um, and uh, that so game... Pr- you said so proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, and in that game it has no story there's no like there's no in-depth backstory to it 
Um, but but like it's a light, quick like the the game is about as long as the joke is. I can tell the joke and people get it. I'm like, great, now you can yeah. play the game, and it's yeah. that sort of lightweight, fast thing. Um, personally, I am much more drawn to heavy, deep, in you know implacable games. I, yeah. I want a game that's an experience. Um, I like epic games. Um, so when, when are you um, when are you doing the kind of the the RPG for the deck building game? Then is that coming out? Is it a comic? <laughs> Is it a yeah. comic series? Um, so no, we'll do an RPG for it, uh, and it's a it's a D eight based RPG, and the, well, I mean, the number that you roll. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have thought if you went for anything else, I would probably be calling you out on that one. I'm afraid, Christopher, because that would That's just fair. Be, that would just be ridiculous. Yeah, I don't want to be ridiculous. <laughs> Not me. No, never. What can people look out for? You said you know, obviously, you've mentioned. Um, what can people look out for over the next couple of months? What should they keep their eye out for coming from Greater Than Games then? We've got three games coming out this summer that are right. just finished, that are just finishing out at the press, uh, at, the, at the printer, and they're on their way here, and they're so exciting. Um, the three games we have coming out, uh, first one is called Exoplanets, which is not our game. It was actually published um, not in English, not in the U.S. Uh, mm. initially, and we uh, worked with the company that published it to get the rights to it and to... Uh, cleaned up for uh, U.S. audiences, and um, we worked with them and came up with a publishing for it. And so Exoplanets is coming out this summer, and it's really great. You do, like, uh, it's a life-building game, a planetary life-building game where you have all these different planets and you grow life on them. Uh, and it's a kind of a resource management thing. It's very fun. Cool. Um, we also have Laser Writers, uh, which is an, an 80s ridiculous game um of, of light cycle racing essentially you have it's kind of like a tron situation where you've got you you're driving your vehicle around through space and whatever table you're playing on is your game space so whatever size table dictates the the boundaries to the game um and there's no board or anything for it it's all just on the table is that and... using colored perspex is that one i've seen that uses that it uses yeah, it uses color colored pieces that are kind of like the the X wing pieces the the for shooting and for uh, flying and making turns and stuff. Yes, and you you lay down the pieces as you move across the table, yes. and so you leave this laser behind you. And if somebody else crashes into the laser, they explode, and your laser behind you explodes. And like there's this like fast pace push your luck sort of game um, that was designed by uh, Anthony Amato and Nicole Klein, and we saw it. PAX East last year and immediately Did, um, said, oh, oh my god. John Gilmore this. John Gilmore was waxing lyrical about that. Um, yeah, he loved it. He totally loved it. He kept you know, he's uh, he was on Facebook talking I think he spent about most of his time, he says, I found my game <laughs> <laughs> and then there was just an entire album. My laser riders. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And speaking of an album, we actually have people who uh, created a soundtrack for Laser Riders. So that like there's like each wow. of the characters and it has their own theme song and there's a theme song for the for the game and everything. Because we wanted it to be like the game itself, the packaging, our creative director here at Great in the Games, Jen Clausen, did the packaging for it to make it look like um, a slipcase for VHSs, um, for VHS tapes. And so it's, it looks like this artifact from the 80s. It's really brilliant. The kids aren't going to get what a VHS tape no kids it's... kids just listen long before you were able to go to dvds <laughs> and put a disc in yeah they don't even do that able to watch it, on Netflix now. it was a bigger thing you had to you you, you had to re, you had to you didn't get a scene or a menu you just had to stick the you had a big cassette listen google it guys there'll be stuff it's... on wikipedia about it 
So imagine like a cell phone, but like <laughs> eight times bigger than a cell phone. And you took that and you put it inside another machine that was stupider than your cell phone. And it the, it read the big blocky black thing that you put into the into the machine and it put a, a, a video up on a screen that looked way worse than the screen of your cell phone. So it's just pretty that, much worse than a cell phone yeah. people in every used way. To, people used to torture themselves by putting themselves through two and a half hours of watching this watching a picture that sometimes just looked rubbish yeah <laughs> high yeah. definition you kids don't know how lucky you are basically but they're putting, yeah that sounds amazing so you put it in a vhs cassette thing we'll yeah. probably put a link onto the wikipedia to so people VHS can look cassette. at it you what's that yeah. um so and it's in the other, VHS, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really fun. There's the characters in it. When 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 we picked it up, I was like, okay, guys, let's talk about backstories of characters. And they're like, oh boy, Christopher. <laughs> um, but so they they wrote up cool stories for each of their characters, and you can play as a laser shark or the phantom cosmonaut, and they all have different powers and abilities, and it's really fun. It's really fun. When's that coming out? That is coming out this summer. That'll be um, in our warehouse June or July. So. That's when those are out. Um, and then there's the third game of the three that I mentioned yeah. is a game called Spirit Island that we kickstarted ages ago. Um, yeah. And it's a cooperative game, again, not by me, uh, by Eric Royce, who's a fantastic designer. He did uh -huh. a game called Fealty a few years ago. And yeah. um, it, Spirit Island's a cooperative game of worker removal, worker displacement, where the game is playing sort of a worker placement game against you. It's moving into the center of the island, and the explorers are turning into towns, and towns are turning into cities, and it's taking over the island. But you and all the other players are all spirits who live on this land and are trying to drive away the invaders and drive them from their lands by, by destroying their structures and by scaring their people off the land. Um, and so it's it's a fun kind of it turns a lot of the 4x type games on their head. And are these going to be Kickstarters or are they just going to be available to buy? Those were all games that were on Kickstarter in the past, but now are they're all going to be available uh, just for purchase sometime this summer because the Kickstarters cool. are done. So absolutely fun. We have never done a game that went just directly that we didn't do enough copies to also like have into regular sale. We use Kickstarter to judge initial uh, interest in a game and to get an initial investment in a game. Um, but then we always print enough copies that we continue to have that game in stores and um, at conventions and on shelves and things like that, because that's, that's what we're trying to be here. We're not trying to be like a company that just makes whatever game we can. We want to be a full-time game publisher. And we've been doing that pretty well so far. That's pretty cool. Where, if people are listening to this and they're saying, right, okay, this sounds fantastic. Um, you know, where where can we find you? Where can we find you on the internet webs, Christopher? Sure, the Where'd interwebs. Yeah. Yes. Well, so the best place to find all the stuff I'm talking about is greaterthangames.com. There you um, go. And so that's that's where all our stuff is. The best place to find me is probably on Twitter. Uh, that's the easiest place to get a hold of me usually. And on Twitter, I am at GTG Christopher. And anywhere else? you got Facebook, I'm guessing, if you search Greater I don't. Than Games. I don't. You don't. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So greater than games has a Facebook account, and yes. uh, and that's a great place to look for that. I myself am not on Facebook. I, I am not going to ask. Yeah, I don't. Uh, People say, it's... "Oh, you can find me on Facebook," and I'm like, I don't really. <laughs> I don't want to kind of start telling people to start friending people on Facebook. No, it's because... it's okay. It's it's like doing CrossFit or being really into <laughs> yoga. If you don't have a Facebook, you have to talk about it. So like, oh, uh... let me tell you, I deleted my Facebook account, and that makes me a better person. <laughs> 
I just deactivated it because I was sick of people with the ambiguous kind of status updates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had that at all. Uh, you know what I mean? Where they just go in and just some people are just so full of uh, chest of drawers and underwear, and you're just like, what? What does what? that mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? And then it's like, okay, that's fine. No, but yeah, so and that's missing the message. So great, greater than games on Facebook. You can go onto Twitter, and it's GT. Games LLC on hey, Twitter. Hey, that's the one. Yeah. There you go. Um, and you're on Twitter at GT, GTG Christopher. That's we right. will, of course, be putting all of these fabulous bits of information in the show notes so we have notes to show. Very good. Um, listen, this has been a lot of fun. I've good. had a lot of fun. I hope you've had a lot of fun. You'll be I glad have. to get. You'll be glad to get away. Because... Well, it was, it was a good break from all the other stuff that I'm working on, and I am feeling revitalized and That's ready it. to get back into it. Uh, as as Winston Churchill once said, a change is as good as a rest. There you go. There you go. If you want to keep an eye on what we're doing, and 65 episodes in, I still have no idea why so many of you do. I've really just no idea. Um, you can... Follow us on We Are Not Wizards at Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at We Are Not Wizards. You can find us on Instagram at We Are Not Wizards. You can find us on YouTube if you search We Are Not Wizards Tabletop. What we generally do is we are getting to the point of having our episodes also on the YouTube. And I have Ooh. no idea why that is. I I don't know why that's good. That's apparently people, meant to be very, are very, people, very good. Are you getting a lot of viewers on YouTube? Is that... I, I'm... Like, that's the thing that people said, oh, you should put your podcast on YouTube. I'm like, should it's, I? It, I think it's worth it. I think there's some people, huh. that, I think there's some people that, that use it. I think it's another place of exposure. Sure. Which is kind of good because you obviously get to put your show notes out there and you get to put a nice picture out there. But I wouldn't put any videos of me out there. I don't think that people have done anything that bad to kind of deserve, <laughs> <laughs> kind of deserve that. Um, if you've liked what you heard tonight, then... Drop on iTunes, you know, uh, we, we love people that kind of drop us a little subscription or drop us a little like. If you're deciding to be extra fruity and want to leave us a review, remember, don't give us a 10, because that'll make <coughs> our heads too big. But don't give us a 1, because that'll make us cry. Give us somewhere in the middle. Like Is a it five. a 5-star system? Yeah, Shh, you're ruining the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst. You're doing so well. Yeah, you are the worst. You just, you know, you know. Terrible. As I said in the last episode, this this is what happens. We have a really, really good episode, and then it all just gets ruined in the last two minutes. I'm here so, to help. <laughs> you're here to help. I tell you, I hope there's a feedback form at the end of this because there'll be some stern words getting said about this. Right. I expect <laughs> to receive a sternly worded email. I hear you're good at those. I don't know. Don't know. That's listen. That was that one time. Mm-hmm. You know, I was young and I needed the money. Sure. Um, <laughs> there's two things left to do. This is just turning into absolute chaos. And the first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Christopher? Not even slightly. That's absolutely fantastic. I th- I'm going to take this back and give you excellent stars all the way through this report that I'm going to write about you. So there you go. You've, you've done well, young man. You can yeah. hold your head out proud. And the uh, the second thing to do is to say goodbye. So it is, it is a goodbye from the rather fantastically entertaining 
Christopher Bedell. Goodbye. goodbye. (laughs) And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Um, Defend your multiverse at all costs. And keep an eye on Greater Than Games, because they're going to be turning out some really good stuff, especially Laser Riders, which I'm very, very interested about. Um, But until next time, goodbye. Bye. I'm going to leave that in. I'm going to leave you in. (laughs) Bye. Beautiful.